Well, this morning, uh, we want to continue uh, wrapping up our summer journey series, and we've been talking about uh, the Holy Spirit for the past couple of weeks, and uh, I want to continue that until next week and right up until at the movies. And so far, we've talked about this, the person of the Holy Spirit. That was week one, how he is a person, that he's not a theological concept. He's not an idea. He's not something that we study. No, he's a person and he's alive and he's active. And more than that, he's God right? God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And get this. He's God in us. If we believe in Jesus here this morning, then the Holy spirit is living in us. The creator of the universe lives in us and he comforts and he teaches. And above all else, he testifies of Jesus Christ in our lives. And last week we talked about the power of the Holy spirit, how God wants to empower us through the Holy spirit. He wants to baptize us in the Holy spirit, right? We said that God wants to make us a pickle, right? They wants to immerse us in the solution of the Holy Spirit to produce a permanent change in us and give us power because he wants us to experience the fullness of who he is. And nobody here has a corner on the market of all that God is, nor have any of us experienced all that he has for us because why? There is more to him. And we want to encounter God and encounter the person of the Holy Spirit. This week, what I want to do is continue talking about the power of the Holy Spirit, but talk about it in the form of spiritual gifts. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12, take a look at verses, verse 1, and then jump down and look at verses 7 through 11. And we're going to talk about the gifts of the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you right from the onset that whatever ideas you have of the gifts of the Holy Spirit, however it makes you feel when I say gifts of the Holy Spirit, whether that's good or negative, just kind of set that aside for the next few moments as we talk about this to see how good God is and how he wants to uh, empower us and how he wants to help us in this life. Okay, so 1 Corinthians 12, if you have your Bibles, you can go with me. This is going to be a note-taking message. It's more uh, probably going to be more teachy than normal, but it's going to be really good. So I encourage you to take notes on paper, take notes on your phone uh, so that you can review them later on. But here we have Paul writing to the church at Corinth. The church at Corinth is a young church. They are new believers. They got issues just like you and I got issues. And Paul really wants them to understand what the gifts of the Holy Spirit are, how they are used, and what our approach should be towards them. So let's take a look. Here's verse 1 of chapter 12. He says, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Now, concerning spiritual gifts, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. Here's what I want to do. I want to define spiritual gifts for us uh, this morning so that we can have a working definition. So the word uh, gifts in the Bible comes from the word in Greek charismatic, or it's called charismata. How many of you have ever heard the word charismatic? Yeah, of course. We use it in, in, in language all the time. In, in culture, we say, hey, man, that person was so charismatic. They were so gifted, right? Oh, man, when she got up to speak, it was magnetic. When he, I met him, I was drawn to him. They had so much charisma. And we use it in terms of someone being gifted. In Christianity, we use it to describe a particular sect of Christianity that believes in the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Now, the word charismatic for some is cool and for some is not so cool because sometimes it has a negative connotation, right? We've even been called crazy-matics. Anybody ever heard that, right? They're not charismatic, you're crazy-matic. And we're responding to maybe an expression that someone has or a gift they may function that may be odd to us. And, and, and granted, there have been weird things and people have done things that even make me stand back and go, I don't really know if that's God. 
But what we're tempted to do in those moments is to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? It's all because one person was weird, then all of it's weird, and we're not even going to touch it with a 10-foot pole. But we can't do that. Because the one thing that Paul says here is, I don't want you to be ignorant of these things. I don't want you to be uneducated. I don't want you to be unlearned. I don't want you to be uh, unaware of the gifts that God has given. So, charismatic. We come back to charismatic. I want to define it not in light of culture, nor do I want to define it in light of what some people in church have defined charismatic as, as a behavior rather than what it really is. Okay? So, charismatic comes from the Greek charismata. It's really two words put together. The first word is charis. Everybody say charis. It means grace. It is where we get the word, the grace of God, the unmerited, unearned favor of God. We are saved by grace through faith. We are saved by charis through faith, right? It is the grace of God. Mata. Everybody say mata. Mata means gift, okay? It literally means, the word charismatic means grace gift, It is a gift that is given by God that is undeserved, unmerited, and unearned. So you know what that means? If you believe in Jesus here today and the Holy Spirit lives in you, you're charismatic. You can laugh. You can say, oh, man, I didn't know that. You're charismatic. Why? Because the grace of God is in you. The Holy Spirit is in you. And he's gifted you, whether you're aware of it or not. You're charismatic. Not in the definition that some would have given. Not in the form of maybe a televangelist you saw on TV and you wrote them off. But no, no, no. You're charismatic because God lives in you. And he's gifted you. Why? Because he's good. So here, let me read to you a a definition of charismatic that we can work from today. It's a grace gift. Listen to this. Here's what charismatic is. The instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise a gift for the edification of others. Let me read it again. The instantaneous enablement of the Holy Spirit in the life of any believer to exercise a gift for the edification of others. What does edification mean? To be built up, to profit, to be comforted, to encourage. Okay, that's charismatic. All right, that's the word gift. Now I want to jump over and define the word spiritual. The word spiritual is the word where we get pneumatic from. Okay, everybody, anybody in here used a pneumatic tool, a pneumatic drill? Right? So, yeah, and somebody said amen. Pneumatic is powered by what? Air. Great job. So, we get the word pneuma in Greek, which is where we get Holy Spirit from in the Bible, which we talked about week one, which means breath or wind. That's what pneuma means. In the Old Testament, it was a Hebrew word. It was ruach, meaning the same thing, breath or wind. So, a spiritual gift is this. Let me me read this to you. It It is gifts that are empowered by the breath of God the Holy Spirit. Gifts that are empowered by the Holy Spirit. That's what a spiritual gift is. It is a spiritual grace gift. Now, with that definition, I want to reread verse one, inserting the definition in place of spiritual gifts so we have just a better idea. Here's what it would look like. Now concerning gifts that are empowered by the breath of God, brethren, I do not want you to be ignorant. See how it takes on a whole new life? It's not just some term we can throw away because we, we don't agree with it. No, no, no. These are gifts that are given by grace. We don't deserve them. We don't earn them. It's not based on our behavior. It's based on the finished work of Jesus Christ. They are given to us freely, and they are empowered by God in us. We don't produce them. We can't make them up. It is only the Holy Spirit who lives in us, operating through us. It is God empowering us. And Paul says, I don't want you to be unaware of this. I don't want you to be ignorant of this, uneducated 
about this. Okay? And so what we're going to do now is we're going to read verses 7 through 11. It's going to tell us who they're given to, why they're given, and what they are. There are nine of them, okay? So this, just follow me in this reading. It's not uh, super fluid because it's just listing them out, and then we'll talk about all nine gifts, okay? So here it is, uh, verse 7 through 11. But the manifestation, which manifestation is the outward working of that gift of the Spirit, is given to each one for the profit of all. For to one is given a word of wisdom through the same Spirit, to another the word of knowledge through the same Spirit, to another faith by the same Spirit, to another gifts of healings by the same Spirit, to another the working of miracles, to another prophecy, to another discerning of spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. But one and the same Spirit works all these things, distributing to each one individually as he, capital H, wills, because he's God. Okay? So, now, why? Let me get back up. Who are the gifts given to? It's a good question. Us. The Bible says this. They're given to each of us. Do you know who each is? Every Christ follower. So, you can raise your hand and say, I am an each. You are an each if you believe in Jesus. Therefore, God has given the gifts to you. He didn't give them just to pastors. He didn't give them to evangelists or singers or people that get up in front. No, he gave them to every single person on the face of the earth who would believe in Jesus. We are all in each. Okay? Now, why? The end of verse 7 tells us why. For the profit of all. He didn't give them to individuals so that they could profit alone. No, he gave them to individuals so that we would all benefit from them, be built up, be edified, be exhorted, so the church would grow. They benefit all. They even benefit people who don't believe in Jesus. The gift is not for you. God never did anything for you individually, alone. No, he always does something in us to go through us to help somebody else, right? So that's the gifts. Now, this is a great point of clarification before we jump in. Whose gifts are they? Who has the exclusive rights to the gifts? Who is the facilitator of the gifts? It's the Holy Spirit. Guess what? You don't have any gifts. I don't have any of them. I have the Holy Spirit, and he's got all of them, and he lives in me, and he lives in you. So what does that mean? That means that if you've ever operated in the gift of, uh, of the Spirit in any one, that you don't have that gift, you have the Holy Spirit. And at the end of verse 11, he gave it to you as he willed. Some will say, I'm a prophet. No, you're not. You're a Christian, a Christ follower, whom the Holy Spirit has chosen to use that gift in you. Because you don't have the right of that gift. He does. He could give you another gift at any given time to help any given person. What we've created is a system of, you know, of uh, where clarification where, you know, I have, I'm a prophet. I give words of knowledge. I give words of wisdom. I have faith. No, no, no. I'm a Christ follower, and he gives them as he wills, and whenever he wants to use them in me, he can. How amazing is that? What that does is it keeps people from walking around saying, I'm a prophet. I have words of wisdom. I flow in the gifts. You know, I'm, I'm better than you. No, no. You're saved by grace through faith, and you deserve hell, but God gave you Jesus. That gift comes with humility. How amazing is that? So we don't have any of them. We have the Holy Spirit who's got all of them. Because remove the Holy Spirit, I ain't got nothing. In the Holy Spirit, I've got everything. And he gives as he wills, not as I will. It's a very important distinction. 
Now, you may, some people may operate in a particular gift more than, than, than not, uh, and all, more often than not, and that's great. Go for it. But be open to what other gifts he wants to use in you. I'm not saying that we will always use them all, but I got to stop because it, they're his gifts. We'll just leave it at that, all right? They're his, okay? Not ours. All right, so here's what I want to do. I want to talk about these nine gifts, and I want to talk about them in categories. I'm not going to talk about them in order, but I'm talking about them in categories. You can take these gifts and, and categorize them into three categories, okay? There are the uh, discerning gifts, there are the declarative gifts, and there are the dynamic gifts, okay? It just kind of works to help categorize it uh, in our minds. So the discerning gifts, what are they? They're the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, and the discerning of spirits. I pulled all of this list, all of these right from Corinthians 7 through 11, okay? Chapters, chapter 12, verses 7 through 11. So, Let's jump in. A word of knowledge. What is a word of knowledge? Here's a definition. And you guys can leave these on the screen until I get to the next one. So if you want to write down, you can. The word of knowledge is this. To know something specific without having learned it by natural means. To know something specific without having learned it by natural means. Now, these gifts are supernatural. Okay, It is God-breathed. It is a pneumatic gift. Okay, Powered by him, not by us. So what does this look like? I'm just going to share you some examples from my own life, okay? So uh, rewind uh, five or six years ago. I, I get an opportunity working at Joyce Meyer Ministries to travel around the country and work at the conferences. And, um, and so we just had Carson, and he's a baby. And uh, I get this opportunity, and I was concerned that uh, I would be spending too much time away from him, all that kind of stuff. But we agreed, Lauren and I, that I should do it. So I'm in Phoenix, Arizona at Tommy Barnett's church, Phoenix First Assembly. And uh, Friday uh, morning after the morning session, so it's kind of the afternoon, and this guy walks up to me and he says, uh, he said, I saw you last night. I've never met this guy. His name is Frank. He's from Anaheim, California. I'm from St. Louis. We've never crossed paths, okay? He says, and, and I felt like the Lord told me to tell you something, but I wasn't quite sure, so I went home, back to the hotel, I prayed about it, and if it's okay with you, uh, I'd like to share what the Lord uh, laid on my heart for you. I said, go for it. He said, um, the Lord wanted you to know that you are right where you need to be and you have a, a, a new baby. And he said, don't worry about the time that you're spending away from your family for he will redeem every minute you spend away because you are where he wants you to be. That's what he told me. And he goes, does that resonate with you? I said, yeah, how in the world did you know I was married? And how did you know I had a kid? Because I've never met you, Frank, at all. I mean, it was like, it stopped me dead in my tracks. Frank knew that not because he went around and did, uh, he's a detective and found out information on me. No, no, no. He knew that because the Holy Spirit laid that on his heart to benefit me. Right? Because God knew I was worrying about that and God used Frank to speak that in my life. Frank said this, hey, hey, he goes, my ministry, I, I pray for people. So could I get your cell phone number and I'll just text you every once in a while if I feel like the Lord lays something on my heart. I'm like, for sure, bro. Yeah, go for it, man. And I, I wouldn't talk to Frank for months. Like, we never developed a relationship where we call each other and are chummy. I didn't give him my schedule. I would be on a plane to go to on a missions trip. This happened in Belize. It happened in India. It happened other places. I'd get a text, hey, praying for you. Pray that you'll be safe and da-da-da-da. And I'm thinking, how in the world? <laughs> Why? The Holy Spirit was speaking to Frank. Gave him a word of knowledge. You know what this tells us right here about these gifts? Man, it tells us that God is good and the Holy Spirit is good and he wants to help us and benefit us and he doesn't want to make us weird. He wants to help us. Come on, think about that. 
How many of you wouldn't mind if someone came up and gave you some encouragement in the form of that saying, the Lord told me instead of getting freaked out that the Lord told, just say, well, I'll receive it and I'll be the determining factor, whether it was God or not, but I'll be open to receive it because some people are just crazy. (laughs) They say, the Lord told me, and they tell you, say, Lord, didn't tell you that. I know the Lord didn't tell you that. The Lord told me to marry you. Well, he didn't tell me to marry you. (laughs) Right? So ladies, if some guy comes up and tells you that, you know, rebuke him. I don't know. Okay. So the second one, a word of wisdom. What's the, what's the difference? Word of knowledge, word of wisdom. Here's what a word of wisdom is, okay? It is a divine answer or solution for a particular event or problem. A divine answer or solution for a particular event or problem. So what does this look like? Just the other day, I walk in the subdivision, train in the morning, have a situation I'm facing. I don't really know how to uh, address it. I don't know what the right um, solution is for it. And so I prayed. I'm studying this. So I prayed. I said, Lord, I, I could use a word of wisdom. Man, I, I don't know what to do. And I'm a kind of person. I get advice, right? I, I ask people. I, I do all that. So I, every, every Wednesday morning, I have a... Um, a leadership phone call. I have a guy that just helps me grow as a leader and he's a believer. He lives out in, in Portland. And so I explain the situation to him and I say, Hey, you know, Steve, what do you think? And he starts telling me what he thinks and how he would do it. And I felt the Holy Spirit speak to my heart and said, this is your word of wisdom. And I was just like, wow, I paused. I got emotional. I told him that. So then what I decided to do was take that and apply it to the situation. And guess what? Boom, worked out. So while I was asking God for that, I still didn't stop using my brain and say, maybe I'll get some advice from people I trust. And God used Steve unknowingly, right, to speak that wisdom into my life. How many of you are facing something in here this morning where you could use some wisdom from God? Those of you who didn't raise your hand are lying. Come on, people. What's wrong with you? First service was all about it. I mean, come on, there are times when we can look in every book, listen to every podcast, get every piece of advice from every person, and we still don't know what to do. And the Holy Spirit wants to help you. Think about it, the God of the universe wants to give you wisdom, wants to speak into your situation, wants to speak into your business, wants to speak into your marriage, wants to speak into your schooling and all of that stuff. That's how good God is. All right, number three, the third gift is the discerning of spirits, Okay the discerning of spirits. You'll notice this is not discernment. A lot of people think there's a gift of discernment listed here. There's not. There is no spiritual gift of discernment listed in here. Okay. Some people say, well, I have the gift of discernment. No, you have the gift of being critical (laughs) and you have the gift of being nosy, right? And you have the gift of thinking you can just speak into situations because you have some whatever. This is not what it's talking about. You may have wisdom. God gives us wisdom. But there is no spiritual gift of walking up to people and telling them what's wrong in their lives. That's, you know, okay, that we need to make sure that we're reading it correctly. There is the discerning of spirits. Now, this one, buckle your seatbelts a little bit. It may make you a little uncomfortable, but here's what it is. It is to be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. To be made aware of the presence of a demonic spirit. What does that mean? That the Holy Spirit's going to give us a set of glasses and we're going to see demons are running around everywhere? No. I'm not saying that. There are, here's the reality we have to come to. There is evil in this world. There, is an e, there are evil spiritual forces at work in this world. How do we know that? The Bible tells us that. Okay? It says our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, right? All of that. We saw Jesus in the New Testament encountering demonic forces. See, we live in, in America. We don't, we don't see a lot of that stuff, right? Like we don't deal with the spiritual realm in that, in that way where we see demonic. But we do deal with uh, gossip. 
critical people, uh, depression. You know, we do a lot of things. I'm not saying if you're depressed, then you got a demon spirit, but I'm just saying the enemy works in ways that are much more subtle in our culture. Okay. But there are, there is evil in the world and the Holy Spirit wants to make us aware of that. How many of you, maybe I'm going to use marriage for an example. You've been having some marriage difficulties and you think the problem is the other person, but just maybe, just maybe there's a demonic force trying to disrupt your marriage. Maybe, just maybe, we could all agree that the enemy wants to destroy marriages. Right? It is a divine institution from God, and the enemy wants to split that apart. Because the enemy, you can read throughout Scripture, he loves to call strife and dissension and division. How many of you wouldn't mind being made aware of by the Holy Spirit? Hey, you know, I know you guys are arguing about this, but there's something else coming against this. I want you to pray in that area. Maybe, Maybe there could be an evil force trying to attack your children. Maybe something in your business, you can't just figure, you can't figure it out. I mean, you're following best practices, you're a planner, you're all that. And you think, I need, I need to be, I need to discern what is going on here in that, in that spiritual realm. Now, I get it. It may be a little bit weird, okay? But we have to go back to scripture and allow scripture to define for us what reality is, not our experience and not our feelings, okay? The Holy Spirit wants to help us in this area. Those are the discerning gifts. Word of knowledge, word of wisdom, discerning of spirits. Okay, let's move on to the declarative gifts. What are the declarative gifts? Prophecy, tongues, and interpretation of tongues. Okay, prophecy. What is prophecy? Let me read you the definition. A message, and everybody say this, encouragement. A message of encouragement from God through a person. You'll notice prophecy is a message of encouragement, not a message of correction. Some people think they have to get to prophecy, which means they're jerks and they just want to tell you everything they're wrong in your life. That's not the gift of New Testament prophecy. Paul says a a word of prophecy will edify, meaning build up, exhort and comfort. It will edify or encourage. It will exhort and it will comfort. See, in the Old Testament, there are prophetic words of correction. Here's a big difference. Old Testament, the Holy Spirit didn't live with inside of people, okay? Now we have the Holy Spirit who lives in us. And we talk week one, he convicts us and he teaches us. So the Holy Spirit will correct you individually because he lives in you in a loving, graceful way. He does not need some Joe Schmo coming along thinking they have a gift telling you everything that's wrong in your life. Okay, this is (laughs) it is a gift of encouragement. Okay, that is huge. The New Testament gift of prophecy is a gift of encouragement. So what does this look like? Well, this can happen individually and corporately. Okay. Uh, We've experienced it in our services where someone will come up to a member of the leadership of the church and say, I feel like the Lord has laid something on my heart to share corporately. And so we take a moment in our service. I get up, I explain it. And then we say, here, speak what the Lord gave you. Most of the time I'll ask him, what did he say? And if they tell me, I don't know, well, then I ain't giving you a microphone. Because if you don't know, I'm responsible at the end of the day right? What do they tell you? And they give you an idea of what the Lord said. And then it comes across and it is encouraging to everyone. You may walk out of here if you've heard one say, well, that didn't do much for me. That's cool. It may have done a whole lot for the person sitting next to you. It is encouraging. It also can happen one-on-one. I got an email yesterday from a lady said, the Holy Spirit woke me up and told me to send this to you. And it was so encouraging right in an area of my life that she didn't even know about. And I thought, wow, that's the Holy Spirit using her prophetically to speak into my life. How many of you could say, I could use some encouragement from God? Come on, more hands went up. I'm glad you're getting more comfortable with this idea. Good, good. It's good. Okay. 
That's prophecy. All right. Second is tongues. Take a deep breath. Be okay. All right. I'm going to talk about the corporate gift of tongues. Next week, we're going to talk about the personal gift of tongues. Okay. There's a distinction in scripture. Now, I want you to understand something. I didn't write this. Okay. I didn't author this. God did. And if you have issues with it, take it to him. Okay. This is scripture. We have to stay true to the text. Some people, this is where they come in and they say, these gifts no longer exist. They ceased. Well, that's wrong. They didn't cease. Okay? They didn't stop with the closing of Scripture and the death of the apostles in the, in the, uh, in the early church. No, no, they still continue today. Okay? Now, tongues. What are tongues? I'm talking about the corporate gift of tongues. It is this. It is a message from God in a language unknown to the person through whom the message comes. A message from God in a language unknown to a person, uh, to the person through whom the message comes. What would this look like? What this would look like is, is that in a corporate setting, someone would give a message in a language that none of us understand, most likely a spiritual or heavenly language. And then what would follow, which is the next gift, is the interpretation of tongues. Someone would interpret that for every one of us in the room in the language that we do understand, which would be English. So let me read the definition of of interpretation of tongues, and then we'll talk about it, okay? Here's what the interpretation of tongues is. It is the understanding and expressing the thought or intent of the message in tongues. Now, this is where a lot of people uh, can, uh, we allow our experiences to come in and our feelings because it's kind of weird, okay? Some would say, well, why would God speak in a language that none of us know? I don't really know. I'll just be honest with you. He didn't consult me, Okay. Uh, on how he should do it, all right? But here's what it does say. It does say this. When, when, when a message in tongues is given that in a language that none of us understand, our mind is unfruitful. What's that mean? We don't understand it. And if I don't understand what you're saying, I can't use it. So what scripture says is when someone does that corporately, then there has to be an interpretation, meaning that God will give the understanding and the thought and the intent of that to someone, and they will give that to the rest of the people. Okay? Now, it's an interpretation. It's not a translation. What's the difference? Translation is word for word. Interpretation is the thought or the intent of something. I speak Spanish, and I've had the opportunity to speak with an interpreter and also be an interpreter. Now, when I'm listening to someone speak English to a group of people who don't speak it, right? what I'm doing is, is I'm thinking about what they're saying and how I can communicate that in Spanish so they can understand the intent and the thought of it, not just the words. Because some things do not translate word to word. Okay, That's what it is. Someone may give a really long message in tongues and someone gives a really short uh, interpretation in English. It is the thought and the intent. Okay, So we come back to the point. This is what God says can be a benefit to all of us when that is given. We, are, we stand in the awe of who God is and his power. So the person who gives the message, they could give the interpretation, but someone else may give the interpretation. And it's a gift that God gives through the Holy Spirit. Okay, Now, I get it. It's a bit... It's a bit out of the, the ordinary, and, um, but it doesn't mean that it isn't God. Because we don't understand something doesn't mean that we need to reject something. Okay, The intent of this today is to talk about it and, and, and begin to pursue the Holy Spirit to say, what do you think that we need best as individuals and as a church to grow in our understanding of you and get a better picture of who Jesus is? Amen? Okay, cool. We made it through that. So next week, we're going to talk about the personal gift of tongues, being baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues. I encourage you to come. It's going to be, it's going to be really good. Okay? 
Now we're going to talk about is the dynamic gifts, okay? The dynamic gifts. These are the gifts of power. These are faith, uh, gifts of healing, and working of miracles, okay? Now, the gift of faith, what is that? It's different than having the faith to believe in Jesus, okay? Bible says in Hebrews that faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. We all who believe in Jesus have been given a measure of that faith to believe in Jesus, okay? Now, this is different. This is, a, this is above that. And, and what I mean by that, it works in different circumstances. Here's what the definition is. It is a supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Okay? A supernatural impartation of belief and confidence for a specific situation. Now, I would ask this question. How many of you, you believe in Jesus, right? But you're going through something or have gone through something in life where you knew all who, about who God was. You believed, but you were struggling to know that it would work out. Where you thought, I've been reading my Bible, I've been praying, but I need something more. Like, I need more faith to believe that this is going to work out because I don't have any control over it. Okay? There are times that God, through the Holy Spirit, will supernaturally give you the faith to believe for whatever the case may be. I saw this in my own life when Lauren and I jumped on the the process to potentially become the pastors here. There was no guarantee. We left a very guaranteed thing to come to something that people would decide on a vote at the end of the day. Now, I'm not typically a great man of faith. I'm just going to be honest with you. I, my tendency is to worry. Lauren, man, she's got faith. She believes. And I I envy that. She's like, it's going to work out. And I'm like, are you sure it's going to work out? And I had this, I had this, um, this resolve that came from the Lord. Not that I would be the pastor of this church, but this resolve that it was going to work out, that God was faithful, that he was going to provide, that he knew what he was doing. And that came only from him. See, this gift of faith is not like, man, God, I'm believing for a million dollars. Give me the faith to believe in it. I need a Maserati. You know, I need a big, no, no, no. It is the gift of faith to believe that God is who he says he is in his character. And it draws you back to the word and to your knees and you depend on God and he'll give you the faith to believe that he is who he says he is. He will do what he said he will do. He will provide, he will take care of you and that he is faithful. It's a supernatural impartation and it may be just for that specific situation. It may be in perpetuity. I don't know because the Holy Spirit gives them as he wills, not as we will. Okay, so that's faith. Here's a second one. Gifts of healings. And this is plural, okay? Healings, gifts of healings. What is this? It is a supernatural endowment of divine health, okay? Supernatural endowment of divine health. What does this mean? That God is still in the business of healing people. He heals people. It's his character. It's who he is. You say, well, there are people that he doesn't heal. You are right. Why? I don't know. And I'm not about to offer you some explanation because it's not my responsibility. And honestly, it's above my pay grade. Okay? Not gonna, but here's what I do know that God says He will. My job, your job, is not in the results category, it's in the releasing our faith category. I pray, I believe, God, you do the work or you don't. Either you heal on earth or you heal in heaven. Okay, I don't I can't take responsibility for the results. I can only take responsibility to believe and act upon what he said. But I've seen this. Okay, when I was eight or nine years old, one of my best friends, his mother had uh, MS and it started to degenerate very quickly. She was in a wheelchair and uh, she was she was in her 30s at the time. And they had started building uh, wheelchair ramps in the house. And we were at a, a tent revival. Anybody been to a tent revival out in the field? No air conditioning. 
grass. Okay, some of you, you've, you've had an encounter, right? All right. So we used to do it every year at this church I was at. They have what's called a prayer line. Everybody ever gone through a prayer line? Yes. We'll have one at the end today, and we'll just flow you through, all right? <laughs> just joking, just joking. They had a prayer line. What's a prayer line? People would line up on either side, and they would lay hands on you and pray for you as you walked through. It was a way to facilitate a lot of people uh, and pray for them at once, and you could come through with any need that you were looking for, okay? It wasn't like they were spitting on you, smacking you, that kind of stuff. Just go through, and they're just praying. She goes through this line in a wheelchair. I'm watching this, eight or nine years old. About, about halfway through the line, she jumps out of her wheelchair, wasn't able to do it, and she ran around the field, and she's praising God. And to this day, I'm 32 now, my buddies are the same age, she is still completely delivered of MS. They took the wheelchair down there. Yeah. Completely healed. God intervened and healed her, gave her a gift of healing through the power of the Holy Spirit. You can say, well... Well, I don't know if these things happen anymore. Well, they do, right? I could give you story after story after story that God is still in the business of healing people. It's what he wants to do, but he doesn't heal everybody. I know, I know. Not every time that I go to the Cardinals game, do they win, but I keep going, okay? Not every time do I go on a diet, do I lose weight, but I still, right, going on a diet. Really dumb example, My point was supposed to be that just because it didn't happen to someone else doesn't make me stop believing in who God is, right? That's my point, that this is who he is, okay? Here's the the last one, the working of miracles. Let me ask this question before I give the definition. Who in here could raise your hand and say, I am the, the benefactor of a miracle? There's been a miracle in my life. I want you to look around, look around. People that say miracles don't happen anymore, then that invalidates every single one of the experiences of you raising your hand. What is a miracle? It's this, a divine intervention that alters our natural reality. Working of a miracle, what's an example of this? The testimony we watched a few minutes ago is a miracle. A miracle. Amy and Josiah came through the Teen Challenge for 18 months, and then they got back together. God restored them. God restored their family. Now they are leading Celebrate Recovery. Amy works at the Teen Challenge that she went through. God is continuing to do a work in them. That is a miracle. God brought them, their children out of, the, out of DFS, put them back together. I mean, that stuff doesn't happen in the natural. I'm telling you. It doesn't happen. That is a miracle. I would have to believe that there are some of us in here today that could say we could use a miracle. We wouldn't mind if God intervened in our reality and gave us a miracle, right? Let me tell you this. He wants to. He wants to breathe his life and his power into your situation and into your life. He wants to. He gave them as gifts, right? How amazing is that? But more than that, look at this. He gave us the Holy Spirit. Who has them all. And the question can become at the end of this is, how do I get the gifts, right? Ooh, I want them. Remember, I don't know if you remember in the Bible, there are people that are following behind Paul and them saying, ooh, I want this. How do I buy? How do I get what you have? And Paul rebuked them. This is not something that you can buy. This is not something that you can ascertain through, through, through any other means than grace. Here's what I don't want us to do is, is to walk out of here and just say, God, I want your gifts. Because that's what we often do, and that's where I think we've gone wrong. We've pursued the gifts over the giver. Oh, I need the gift. No, 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 you need the giver. And the giver will give you whatever you need. So here's what I want to do today. I want to encourage you to pursue the giver. What do you mean? 
to pursue the person of the Holy Spirit. The more you say, Holy Spirit, I want what you have for me, the more you're going to be in love with Jesus, number one. He's going to reveal Jesus to you. Here's the second thing. The more comfortable and more aware of him you'll be. See, the biggest barrier to, I think, experiencing the Holy Spirit is I'm not comfortable. I'm worried. And I get it. Believe me. I could share weird story after weird story that, 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 that in, when I got to college, I wanted nothing to do with the gifts of the Holy Spirit because I saw people use and abuse them. I stand here at 32 years old and God is saying, hey, there were a lot of people who maybe abused them, but hey, look at everything I did in your life. Don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. Don't allow the abuses of other people to tarnish the image of who God is, right? To pursue the giver, pursue the Holy Spirit, 